like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome back to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my twin brother, Eric. We are doing something a little bit kind of different today. We're doing a bit of a combination. We're doing some recent ratings, reviews, and recommendations, but also uh, some talk about some older movies and also playing a game that we so often do. So this is a bit of a smorgasbord of of an episode, and uh, as I said, I'm joined by my twin brother, Eric. So Eric, take it away. How are you feeling today uh, about kind of the episode just in general? I feel good about things in general and i feel good about the episode it's been about two weeks since our last one and it feels right to get back in the studio you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's it's been a little bit a little little too long for my liking uh been watching some movies and wanting to discuss them and just you know i don't know we haven't had time to sit down so i'm happy that we got the opportunity today and i'm happy to get this episode in so with all that being said uh we're gonna be mostly focusing on new movies the the one that we watched together that we're going to talk the most about is going to be pledge from 2019 so i say we watched we both watched uh we didn't watch together eric you actually watched this with jason in denver right yeah that is correct and then we gave you the recommendation to watch it yourself yep and i think i watched it a day or two later um so yeah this is a newish movie from 2019 it's coming from director Daniel Robbins, who, if you look at his IMDb profile, does not really have much in the way of directorial credits. A pretty low-profile director. I didn't see anything that jumped out at me on his page. I don't know if you kind of looked at that, Eric. I did, and yes. I mean, if you're a hard, hardcore fan of just like film in general, maybe, but uh, no. <laughs> Nothing jumped out to me really at all. He... Uh, he had worked with some of the actors in this film before, which I thought was interesting. And the one movie that seems like it's like actually a full-fledged movie is called Uncaged, which looks to be a werewolf movie, which is yes. kind of cool because you don't see too many of those. So maybe yeah, that not, could be not in the watching. modern day. Yeah, it, would, it could be. I mean, you don't see werewolf movies too often in the modern day, so that could be something that's interesting. Um, I want to give a quick shout out. So we had three main characters. None of these guys are huge actors, but I'm just going to throw out their names because I liked their chemistry and I kind of liked how they played throughout the movie. So we had Zachary Bird, who played Justin, Philip Andre Botello, who played Ethan, and Zach Weiner as uh, David. That's the kind of three main friends in our friend group uh, who kind of are present from start to finish of the movie. And then a quick synopsis from IMDb. I think this is one that we will start with a spoiler-free kind of talk and then delve a little bit further into it because this is the only film that we both recently watched, so I kind of want to focus on this one a little bit more. Um, So a brief synopsis from IMDb, and then we'll give our um, spoiler-free kind of thoughts. A group of college freshmen pledge an exclusive fraternity but soon realize there's more at stake than they could have ever imagined. Eric, is that just like titillating you, making you get goosebumps or... Well, I mean, that's a it's a pretty, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm cheesing, but <laughs> it sounds like a pretty, like, standard mid-2000s horror kind of movie, but uh, the one that we both had fun with. Yeah, this is the kind of movie, like, this premise is 100% up my alley. Uh, like, movies like this, uh, Would You Rather, Truth or Dare, I know they're always going to be uh, never, like, critically acclaimed, but I'm almost positive that I'm going to enjoy them. 
just be because of the simple silly premise and this one uh fit that mold too which i was happy to report honestly i don't know if i could not not enjoy one of these movies <laughs> interesting so this this immediately kind of gave me vibes of uh 2010's brotherhood which i'm, I'm sure you remember we watched together uh another fraternity based horror movie that one quite different from this one i think that one was a much more realistic kind of uh i don't even know suspense thriller that could actually happen whereas this one was much more of a horror movie where you had a bit of an unrealistic premise but it was executed well yeah if you take maybe um brotherhood and cube and have them have like a second generation so not like their son but like their grandson maybe pledge could be one of those grandsons. <laughs> I, I like that um one thing that I liked right away with this movie that I think they really established the friendship between the three main characters pretty well early on. I think they had good comedic writing and it just really felt like a group of kind of goofy college freshmen. Like I kind of immediately was uh, finding myself, I don't know, like attached a little bit to them as characters. I thought their friendship was fun and I thought their you know, kind of charismatic joking and ribbing was, was fun. I, I wrote down one quote where... Uh, one of the guys is like, well, just another four years of us drinking and playing Xbox and doing nothing. And I, like one of the other characters, like, does that even sound bad? <laughs> you know, so I, I like that. Yeah, that's certainly one of the stronger points of this movie. Uh, you can be successful without having that just based on the premise, but building up that uh, repertoire between, or that rapport between the main characters and giving them like some backstory that you can connect with really kind of helps as we get into the plot and the thick of things uh, because if you don't really care about your main characters and you don't really have a sense of what the relationship is then once they're put into a more um, troubling situation then you don't necessarily have much on the line but once you build up a relationship you can kind of empathize with them a little bit more and that's something that i think this movie in a kind of silly way i mean it's mostly just by them taking the piss as they're going from fraternity to fraternity getting rejected trying to hit on girls trying to stick out and actually make a name for themselves in college you kind of uh, start to rally behind these guys and hopefully everything turns out well for them yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, they, they kind of had this constant rejection from the other fraternities, so they find themselves more susceptible to a fraternity that seemingly is really interested in them, and that's going to kind of set up our long-term plot. Like as the general synopsis said, um, they find this fraternity, and then they start a pledge kind of uh, night or pledge session that kind of goes beyond the realm of normal hazing, and stuff kind of starts to become a little bit unraveled from there. It's a, essentially, and I don't know if you felt this way too, but to me, it was a pretty dramatic tonal shift that ended up working out really well for me. Like it was handled well. Like a lot of times if there's a huge tonal shift from like, just like straight comedy to pretty intense horror thriller, like which what I would say this movie had, a lot of times it kind of feels like coming out of nowhere or like it doesn't really feel like a natural progression, which I, I thought this movie actually did a good job of bridging the gap and kind of giving you enough intermediary action and, and kind of just general plot development where it, it didn't feel like such a harsh transition. I, would you agree with that? I would agree with it. And I think I've certainly brought this up at some point on the podcast that I draw a line between comedic horror and horror comedy. This mm -hmm. one is certainly a comedic horror yes. where it relies on um, 
humor as a bridge into horror, whereas yeah. comedy horrors rely on uh, comedy to kind of poke fun at the genre itself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I was, so I was just saying, like, pretty much from the start, the first probably 20 minutes is really just like a normal comedy like a normal comedy movie <laughs> like it doesn't really uh, it doesn't feel so much like a horror so that for it to then develop into one with just comedic elements kind of peppered in throughout still i think they that was a really nice transition and they did a good job yeah i certainly agree um i, I like i like the just the basic premise that they get in so let's we can start getting into the plot of this a little bit uh we've mentioned they were going from frat to frat and getting turned down eventually a girl who is seemingly ten thousand steps above their league kind of spots them on the street and sends them the invitation to a exclusive party that evening and obviously seems kind of fetch, uh, fishy they are arguing back and forth whether or not they're being pranked they're sick of being humiliated in front of all these cute girls and all of these uh frat bros but eventually they decide to go and it's kind of the party of their dreams they're being treated like uh true g's they've got girls crawling all over them they're in a big mansion all the booze and drugs that they could possibly want it's uh, they're living up their best lives and this it's it's kind of fun because you're like you're you're rooting for these guys you're like oh look at this maybe they're maybe they're gonna find a place where they don't have to play xbox and they can actually hang out with <laughs> friends and i thought the way that they did that was kind of funny and it but the weird thing is so that the frat they ended up in was like a seemingly multi-mile walk through the woods and yes. they <laughs> only had an address I I am very curious because they never showed it like looking it up on GPS. I don't think they like, didn't. They had they they did have phones. They had smartphones that they that was sort of a plot element later on. So they they certainly could have been using that, but they didn't ever explicitly show them. Especially when they first veer off the road, you would think they'd be in this day and age <laughs> would be navigating using some sort of uh, electronic assistance. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I think that kind of is about covering it for me in terms of spoiler-free stuff. Eric, I don't know if you have much more you really want to uh, go into before we give just a overall rating recommendation. Sure, yeah. It's, yeah, I hate I hate drawing the line between spoiler and spoiler-free, so let's, let's err on the side of caution because... Yeah, I usually it, prefer that. And so. especially with this kind of movie, once you hear the synopsis, We've already kind of spoiled what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. the like how it happens is kind of what you want to tune in to see anyways. It's not right. like you're, you're going to be shocked, or will you, with certain plot twists? Who knows? Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But uh, you're, you're already getting spoiled a little bit, so fooey. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for me, I gave this a 6.3. Uh, this is currently sitting as my number six from 2019. It's being bracketed by The Perfection, as I thought was slightly better, and Pet Cemetery, which I called slightly worse. So I think that's a pretty good recommendation from me. I think it's pretty solid. Uh, I would add this one to your watch list, your kind of radar if you have a growing queue. This is one that I definitely would recommend checking out. Uh, not my favorite movie I've ever seen, but definitely a, a pretty solid one from 2019. The rating you gave is just about where I'm at. I think I would do a 6.4, um, but it is under both Pet Cemetery and uh, the, the Perfection for me, but probably slightly higher than Crawl. 
So if you, if that can give you another movie to gauge perspective with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a decent one and, and an enjoyable one. And uh, I think right now we're just going to bridge into our spoiler conversation. So if you've heard us give us our rating and recommendation and you're like, oh, this sounds fun. I'm going to throw it on. I would quit watching this now. This is going to be the first podcast that I will include timestamps. I will show you when we start each section. So you can skip right ahead to our next section where you won't get spoiled. So uh, Eric, you ready to jump into spoilers? Let's go for it. Okay. So as we kind of said, you know, this is a very dramatic tonal shift from comedic, feel-good kind of fraternity pledging movie into just straight up really horror, a lot of tension. Um yeah, so essentially they have this crazy party night, like Eric was saying, and then the next day they're invited to really do the whole pledging thing. And they're in the back of their minds, they're thinking they're going to get hazed. Uh, so they arrive, they have to turn into their cell phones, they have to get into a group, and then the quote-unquote hazing <laughs> begins when uh, one of the senior fraternity members, which there are, are only three present in the house, which I think should be noted because there are five, five pledges, and there's mm-hmm. three fraternity members. And immediately, uh, one of the fraternity members grabs a brand that's been sitting in the fire and walks up to the pointed leader of the pledges and says, okay, you have five seconds. Will you get branded or will everybody else? <laughs> and uh, uh, I think if you can put yourself in that person's shoes, if you've been given five seconds to be like, oh, do you want to be branded? You probably aren't going to respond very quickly. He doesn't respond. He gets branded. And then so does everybody else. So this is obviously immediately stepping over the line of what you could consider normal hazing, and you're kind of realizing, oh, they're in a pretty terrible <laughs> environment and situation. But then kind of funny thing is is having that conversation between the pledge members as to where the line is for hazing. Right. Because, uh, I mean, you kind of – they also made it a plot point to say that uh, some fraternity, I think, got banned because somebody – died or there was some sort of like alcohol induced problem that Mm -hmm. a uh, fraternity last year got shut down because of so you've already got that line tranche they're probably like okay these guys this fraternity has to know about that they're gonna not like not do something so outlandish that they get banned it's been around forever they want to keep it that way so i think that all that playing into the perception and each individual has their own separate reasons for like wanting to be there so their line is kind of the five pledges are all on a spectrum and you can kind of gauge throughout the movie as to where their line is showing up on that spectrum and you've got five different plot po- or five different points for each person and that's kind of a one of the biggest sources of dysfunction and deterioration in those group dynamics yeah very much so i, I like that you said that because it was interesting where it's like the people who are feeling really dejected and really wanting to belong to this type of group. They're like, oh, no, it's, it's just hazing, guys. It's fine. Where you have some other guys who are like, oh, man, this is really messed up. Like, this is not normal. And to get that kind of disagreement, this dissent sown without the group, I think really adds to the kind of tension and then just the feeling of isolation, a feeling of helplessness that I think we identify with uh, as the viewers watching this group. Because we also have more information. We saw the fraternity members, you know, caging up their windows, locking some doors. So we know that like that they're they're buckling down for something that's pretty messed up. We also didn't explain the cold open for this movie is like from four years previously and a person of the same fraternity chasing a guy through the woods and then killing him. So uh, we definitely are expecting very sinister things. From, well, from I wouldn't group. say not killing. We just saw he got hit in the face with a baseball bat. So 
<laughs> okay, and then dragged like miles through a cornfield. So maybe not killing, but I- I'm going to go ahead and make a slight assumption here. Yeah, probably fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing I don't didn't like with this movie and that I essentially never like, I do not enjoy gross-out horror. Um, at one point, they're forced to eat the blended rat soup uh, or, like, you know, chunky, disgusting rat parts. I just don't like it. Like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel gross. But, like, that's not what I... That's not the type of uncomfortable I want to feel from a horror movie. I like discomfort from, like, feeling just, like, putting myself in their shoes and feeling the isolation or feeling, like, just kind of uncomfortable with the situation. I don't want to be like, oh... Yeah, they're being force-fed rat guts. Like that, just I, I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me. I just I I would prefer if that was not in there. I yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I don't like gore for the sake of gore, which I don't think this movie like relied on that aspect of it. They were certainly trying to make it horrific, and that was certainly a tool used to. Uh, show us where our pledge members were at mentally and physically and emotionally, but I don't think they overused it. So I don't think I can complain too much from this movie for their use of gore. I've seen, I've had to look away during three movies and this was not one of them. So yeah, it wasn't a a very long sequence. And then after this, they really didn't abuse it at all. So it ended up being fine, but I just, even that one, instance of it i was like eh, i'm just i don't know for me it just i just not am not into that so okay moving forward um one thing i think this movie did great was um building psychological tension with uh, manipulation without throughout the group manipulation of kind of like a stockholm type syndrome trying to continually convince the pledges like oh no you you just got to push through like they, they kind of were doing a bit of a good cop bad cop and really trying to continuously manipulate the guys into thinking that oh, it's fine, you know, we're just going to do this for another 20 hours and you just got to get through it. You got to push through and you're going to be one of us. So I, I liked how they kept kind of, and they kept convincing them too. I guess they kept really pushing this and then they kept convincing them. And it was very interesting to see that level of manipulation kind of psychological torment play in. Yes, I, I that's that's why I like these movies. It's it's some somebody with at least some aspect of power that's not never revealed exactly how much or how powerful they truly are until you really get into it. And then you've got these people who are just like you or I, they're normal people. And then they're tasked with things that are very not normal. And it's, it's that age old idea of taking somebody and throwing them in an environment that they're no longer comfortable with somebody who has complete power over them and seeing how they'll react. It's like, it's almost like that same idea for the final girl. And uh, will this person rise up and be able to conquer whatever inner demons they're working through or will they fold under the pressure and will it just be uh, another one bites the dust? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I kind of want to pivot maybe to an overarching discussion of the movie as a whole it's going to be hard to really discuss this like sincerely because so by the end of the movie it's revealed that the fraternity members aren't actually fraternity members they're actually pledging to a very secret organization it feels very belco experiment like these kind of quiet overseers who are very into like the human condition human experiments and and kind of manipulation and killing and uh i think like the it's hard to buy into this being like because for a long time this movie felt 
fairly realistic. I mean, okay, fairly, fairly realistic, but I think it definitely jumped a huge another peg by introducing this crazy kind of secret organization type of feeling. Um, I think the one thing I wanted to talk about with that was, so we initially had the girl who signed these guys up pretty much by telling them about it. And then she is also the one who later uh, tries to rescue a friend and then ends up being a captive too. And so just the, the level of control this group has was just kind of hard for me to even buy into like i, I kind of liked the twist that where they got involved but it just it, it was a bit much for me eric i don't know if if, if you kind of suspended your were able to suspend your disbelief or not but i just kind of want to hear what you're thinking I, that was very disjointed what i'm trying to say here but it kind of was a little too much for me i guess i understand the complaint because in order for it to be a realistic thing, you're basically removing all humanity from the fraternity members. And it seemingly would be hard to do with just random college kids. Like, why would, how are they getting themselves involved in this? And why are they just so content or even on some cases, like, excited to do this bodily harm, torture, murder? Right. Uh, so I understand that. But I think. I've talked about how much I like shark movies. So you know <laughs> that my belief could not be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Suspended. Yeah. Any further suspended <laughs> than it is. So I, I, I like watching things in a vacuum for the most part and not yeah. really caring. I'm okay. It just, I don't know. Call it fantasy, call it some sort of fantasy world, or I don't know, one of the parallel universes of earth where, there's a lot more sociopaths and eh, well, then we're good. We're good to go. Yeah. And so watching it was fine for me, but then kind of, as I'm sitting back and thinking about it, like for this podcast, I think that's when it kind of becomes a little much when I'm trying to analyze or really think about it. It's like, Hmm. Yeah. This, this makes it a little weird when you take kind of a step back, the layers involved are just like, well, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It kind of defeats a little bit of, for me, defeats the purpose or the kind of diminishes the intentions of the characters. It just kind of makes it a, a bit more single, uh, less, I don't know, kind of less intricate, a bit more single-minded and, and sure. you know. Yeah. And, I, and I get what you're saying. Um, to kind of piggyback off that, though, I did like with our fraternity members uh, how we kind of saw also a spectrum within them. So it wasn't just that the, the pledge members had, but... You can almost look at it like that, uh, that I forget what it's called, but like the lawful, so that you basically had a lawful evil, a neutral evil, <laughs> and a chaotic oh, evil. Alignment so, charts. Yeah, alignment charts. So like the original main guy, he seems kind of like neutral evil. Then you had the black haired guy who was clearly chaotic evil. Yeah. And the blonde haired guy who was like quasi on their sides and he's like oh yeah if they're taking it too hard on you just let me know i'll make sure they ease off and he was giving that was more water. of the manipulation though but he also was probably the most calm out of the main three so and then something we haven't touched on yet but i guess we can now since we're doing the spoilers is that this movie my friends does indeed have a little bit of a twist to it oh yeah and that is so we've talked about the three original pledge members how they were college buddies well there were two more people who we didn't know a whole lot about but i mean they were just rushing the fraternity as well turns out one of those pledge members is a fake 
pledge member, and he was actually trying to earn his bid to the fraternity as well. And he, so yeah, uh, he's a, he's an inside man the entire time, but he's also going through. He got branded. He ate rats. Like he he was really run through the gauntlet, and then came out probably the most calm, cool, and collected out of the bunch, even of the three tormentors. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He is almost like he'd been there before. And, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He was like made to do this. This was his his calling almost. Yeah, it's like any team that plays the Lions in the wild card of the playoffs. You can tell that they have a level of confidence and poise that the Lions just the Lions are um, the three friends in this situation. They have like no idea what they're doing. They think they know what they're doing, but they don't. And uh, yeah, <laughs> our 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 mole. Our uh, I believe his name was Ben. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Ben. 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 Ben is essentially the Seahawks, the Cowboys, any team that is just completely the Saints completely destroyed the Lions' hopes in the wild well, card. I think. I mean, it's pretty fair to be confident if you're playing the Lions in the playoffs because you have an extra three players on your team at any given time. <laughs> oh, oh, the conspiracies coming it's not out. Cons- it's not conspiracies. It's just accurate. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So. Yeah, and this one I think I kind of mentioned ended a little bit Belko-y. Uh, we have the secret organization. I did like how we kind of got some redemption for uh, I was it I forget which name was it Justin the, the fat friend who Whoa, who Alex, was a, that's not very PC. Well, <laughs> uh, I believe it was Justin uh, who got some redemption. He was actually able to uh, fight off and kill one member of the original three fraternity guys, and he actually got a bid offer from our weird Illuminati type uh, overseers. And so uh, I don't know if he's going to take that or not. He's got a definitely much different approach on life than he had just two days previous. So I'm not really sure what's running through his head, but uh, kind of I like that as an interesting little sidebar at the end. Okay, sorry, this is 100% off topic, but I knew that uh, Max, so the main uh, original fraternity member, like he was doing all the hosting. I knew uh-huh. his face reminded me of something, and it didn't click with me until you just said the name Justin again for the the pledge. And so Max, who is the fraternity member, looks exactly like Justin from 13 Reasons Why. And I haven't seen that. You'll have to pull that up really quick as I okay. tell, tell our listeners that you don't need to watch 13 Reasons Why. It is the epitome of uh, why people watch slash don't watch lifetime movies and honestly it just normalizes incredibly distasteful and inappropriate mental behavior for teenagers so i do not recommend it yeah okay so it it looks like him but more frat like higher if you dial the frat dialer all the way up to 11 like that that main frat guy was like a frat bro He, he had the spiked hair he had the the really preppy look. So you had to you have to dial up the frat dial all the way up to eleven on this. Guy. Well, are you looking at his IMDb picture? Because that doesn't look like him in the show. I, I was looking at Google Images, so I saw a <laughs> okay. bunch. Okay. Well, anyway, um, yes, we did get a little bit of a redemption arc. You got to see the inner strength of somebody backed into a corner, and it, it kind of it kind of ended on a corny way. And unless you think those kind of things are cool. Um, Basically, a the one of the members of the true fraternity dropped a pin at Justin's foot after he had killed Max, and it, Justin kind of looks at the camera, and then it cuts. So it's like, is he going to join? Is he going to try to kill everybody else? Is he going to go find the nearest IHOP and have a deluxe meal? Who knows? 
I think he will, and because it's the small comment where. So we had talked about earlier with the branding. The, the this so the the fat boy who made it to the end. He was not the one who was elected the group leader. The group leader was this kind of skinnier friend who I'm forgetting his name now. David, I think. Um, and one kind so, of cool thing about that is David died first and kind of like instantly once things really started going down yes. the crapper. That yeah. was kind of fun. Yeah. So so when when David, um, they, they the three of them were together, the three original friends and. Uh, and Justin says, "Why didn't you? Why didn't you say that you would be branded? I would have said that." Like he immediately just chastises, "Like you, if you, you're you, you act like the leader of our group, but when you're actually given some sort of opportunity to lead, you you completely failed." Like I thought that was a kind of interesting piece to include because they're they're fighting for their lives at this point, and he's like, "Hey man, like that was unacceptable. Like that's not what a leader does." And I was like, "Okay, that's him. Kind of. I think that's him. Maybe." Stepping, turning a corner and realizing that he's stronger than he is. And then by the end of the uh, movie, I think he really, really realizes that he's stronger than he is. So I could actually see him joining this group and becoming uh, the alpha male of society, the one of the wor- leaders of the world, a business tycoon, whatever all the weird, uh, you know, megaphone things were telling him that they were going to become. So, yeah, I agree completely. You could almost say that is his coming out of a pool of blood moment. Yes, a la descent. All right. Uh, Eric, is that pretty pretty good to wrap your thoughts? Yeah, I think so, Alex. I really do. Okay. So, yeah, The Pledge from 2019. I'd say we both recommend both mid-six. Uh, anything for me over a six, I would say that you could rec- uh, I would recommend to you. Uh, you know, the higher it goes, the more urgently I would recommend it. But so a, a mid-six, I'd say, yeah, definitely throw on your list and try to check it out before the year's end, I'd say, if you want a good, represent- re- good representative overview of some of the solid horror movies from 2019. Yeah. All right. Eric, I believe you are ready to talk about um, a short one now from 2019. Or no, 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 no. Sorry. I was you, say definitely not 2019. Actually, I'm going to change the idea. Before we do that, I'm just going to throw a couple ideas at you real quick. So I saw two movies in the last week and a half that you have seen before that I hadn't. So I'm just going to kind of talk about them and just give you some kind of ideas and bounce them off because it's been maybe a little while for you. Is that all right? Let's go for it. Okay, so these are some older ones. And I'll start off with the older oldest one I saw. And this is a maybe a little bit of a PSA. Don't don't put off seeing classics just because you haven't and you like almost feel like it's too late. A lot of horror classics are classics for a reason. They really hold up great and they're super enjoyable watches. Uh, even you know 20 30 40 50 years later whatever it is um so with all that said what a movie i watched recently was an american werewolf in london Mm. that's one that i've heard so much about i know a lot of great things but it's just like i've never gotten to it's definitely a gap in my horror background horror resume and Mm -hmm. i am so glad that i did a very enjoyable ride i loved the initial friendship between the two guys who get um I don't want to do too many spoilers, I guess. Uh, the two guys. I love the developing kind of situation. Uh, the, I mean, it's obviously a movie about werewolves. I think it was done really well. The practical effects were phenomenal. I thought everything pretty much about it was great. The relationships of the characters within it, the slowly developing plot, the slowly developing mystery about kind of what's going on was great. And just, yeah, a super fun ride that I think was had actually a really great, compelling ending and made you really feel for the characters. Mm-hmm. And, and Eric, you have you have seen that one before, right? I have seen it. I, I I mean, I was also late to the game. I don't think I saw it until 2016 or 2017. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great story. It's got incredible uh, effects that still hold up to this day. 
the transformation when he turns into a werewolf looks super cool, which is hard to do nowadays, let alone back in the 80s. So right. absolute 100% kudos for that. And this is the... I always like this stuff. So the intro for this movie is these two guys hiking and they get into a bar and like instantly everybody can tell they're outsiders. And I always love that. It's having that uncomfortable, uncomfortableness in a place that you are not belonging to. It really, sets the, it really sets the tone <laughs> for what's to become. And uh, this, I just like kind of, that kind of being able to do that right off the get go. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely like that a lot. Um, I, I inserted the comment midsummer when you said that this discomfort uh, in yes. this foreign place. Um, speaking a little bit more on the transformation scene, what I loved about this transformation scene is they really emphasize the immense pain and discomfort that the werewolf is undergoing as they transition from human to werewolf. Because if you think about it, it it's got to be a tremendously painful thing where you know your bones are elongating, your skin is being pulled apart, your teeth are like shedding through your gums. Uh, it's got to be massively painful. And I think they really sold that in this movie. And I thought it was really a really terrifying sequence of, of that transformation. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, and we, we talked about this. Now this is the second werewolf movie we're talking about. Unfortunately, werewolves are not a um, a uh, animal or monster type that is depicted too often in horror. Uh, we don't really count Twilight because that's, that's silliness. If it's your thing, then probably don't listen to this podcast because we don't want you. I'm just kidding. Well, you can listen anyway, but no. I, just, I, don't, I doubt we have very many Twilight fans of our audience base. Is there? Are there like still Twilight fans, do you think? Or do you think yeah. like now that the series has wrapped up and they realize it's by kind of a meme, they're just like, ah, eh, maybe I move no, on to like there, No, there's Twilight. fans of everything. There's fans of everything. And I also am not one to really just completely trash Twilight because I I, I'm pretty sure, like you, have literally never read it. Um, I don't plan to, but I think it's also hard to trash something that you've either A, never read, or B, never seen, because I've literally never seen a movie or read a book. So I can assume it's not for me, but I don't want to trash it too hard. I have watched 30 minutes of one of the movies, and it was not good. Why, why'd you watch? Why'd you start watching one? This was back when we lived at home and we still had cable and it was on, I did the same thing with the uh, secret life of an American teenager once. You so watched more than that. You watched a couple episodes. Well, yeah, it was a marathon. Sure. I probably watched like three or four episodes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So that's mostly what I wanted to say there. No spoilers again. Um, this is just kind of brief thoughts and I've got brief thoughts for one other movie, less so a classic, but a, one that exceeded my expectations was 47 meters down from, I want to say 20, 15 2016 no, 20 that would be 2017 Alex. 2017 you think let me just double catch it's either that it's really 16 quick. or 17 because it was i saw it in kansas city and i didn't move to kansas city until 2016 looks like it's gonna be um 2017 okay yeah so this is gonna be starring uh starring uh mandy, mandy moore, moore. Mandy Moore, and uh, it's essentially two sisters who are on vacation, and they meet some locals in Mexico, and they decide to go shark diving, you know, cage diving with sharks. Um, absolutely terrifying situation. The winch breaks, and as it's a metal cage, it just plummets to the bottom of the ocean, which at their point was 47 meters. Uh, that's like 150 feet-ish for our um, American listeners. Uh, <laughs> um 
So extremely deep, they have a limited amount of oxygen, something that I learned during this movie. I knew about the bends, but apparently you have to, you know, if you're diving from that low of a depth due to the nitrogen and the, the pressure, if you rise too fast, you can literally just die because the bubbles like go through your brain and mess your brain up. So there's like a bunch of elements that are keeping them isolated at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, this is a movie for me that really played well, well like probably my favorite water-based movie in terms of making you feel super uncomfortable with the unknown, with darkness, or with areas you can't see. There's a lot of sharks around them because they've been feeding them chum. So, like, this is a movie that just, like, you literally don't know anywhere that's safe, and you also are running out of air, and so you have to kind of make decisions. Uh, it, yeah, this was a movie that just, we've talked about Thalassophobia before. This one is just makes you never want to go in the water again. It just really is uncomfortable and terrifying as you're looking into these abysses and not knowing what's around you. Yes, this was one of two movies that I made a solo trip to the theater for. And unfortunately, there was a loud person who actually had to get kicked out of the theater. Um, they didn't ruin it, but they also didn't make it better. But being alone for this kind of movie uh, is certainly enjoyable, especially when Alex was mentioning their use of the unknown and darkness as a way to uh, propel the story forward and kind of instill a little bit of fear in you. Uh, because as you are pretty well aware, I'm sure, uh, the ocean's pretty dark and you have and no idea what's going on. Yes, the world is dark and full of terrors. The night. But... You know what, Alex? <laughs> um, subtle nod to a series of unfortunate events. No, um, it's Game of Thrones. Oh my God, the, the world <laughs> is quiet here. That's what I I got it. Oh uh, my, the, the, you're 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 going to be pissing multiple fan bases off. You're going to be pissing off a series of unfortunate events fans for screwing up the quote. You're going to be pissing off pissing off Game of Thrones fans for screwing up the quote. You're going to be pissing off fans of none of the above because we're talking so much about this. You're just you're just you're just really uh really making people angry. Good thing Twilight doesn't have any fans, so I didn't piss them off. Oops. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, and this, I'm, this isn't, maybe this isn't a spoiler, but maybe it is. This scene, this movie has one of my favorite, like, all time scenes of anything. Like, I'm that much of a simple bitch. It comes from a shark movie, <laughs> but uh, there is a scene where Mandy Moore is swimming and she is trying to light a flare, which I assume there is under, like, waterproof flares that could light underwater. But, yeah. Uh, she's struggling and then eventually she gets lit. And there, when she gets it lit as a light source, there are like three or four massive sharks like swarming in on her, ready to pounce. But then they get scared away by the light. But when that light first shines and you see these big ass sharks, oh, that is yeah. the way to win an Eric. Yeah, I like that too. Um, uh, this is probably my second favorite shark movie, just behind Jaws. Honestly, this is one I really enjoyed. Uh, nothing else is jumping out at me that would would top it in terms of shark movies. I don't know where it ranks for you, Eric. I think you have a bit of a a higher maybe echelon of of movies that could could maybe pass it. I don't know. It's it's on the very edge of top five, but not quite top five. Do you rank this above or below the shallows? I write this below the shallows. Really? Oh, interesting. I wouldn't, but I and uh, I probably okay. rate it above the Meg, though. I rate. Oh, I I would definitely rate it above Meg. Dude, the Meg um, was fire. <laughs> okay, this also has. I think we've talked. Yeah, we have talked about this. Has a sequel coming out this year called Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged. 
It's going to be taking place in underwater caves, which sounds super cool. Um, that'll be one we maybe see in theaters, but definitely check out this year. So we're pretty excited about that. Absolutely. Okay, Eric, I've got one more 2019 movie to, to kind of throw your way as a rating and recommendation for you because you have not seen it. But do you want to talk about a movie that another movie you watched with Jason while you were in Denver? I can. This is a movie from a series in which we've uh, mentioned a couple times before. And it is a jumping point from the Return to Oz podcast because it is a Masters of Horror episode, which these episodes are about an hour long, from season one entitled Pick Me Up. And so the connection to Return to Oz is it <laughs> stars our little Dorothy and Feruza Balk. And the premise of this movie is in the middle of nowhere with only a two-lane highway to connect it to anywhere probably upstate new york i have no i, I sorry that it just baffles my <laughs> mind why they would throw that little detail in here but anyway, <laughs> uh highway to connect it to anywhere a recently divorced female traveler feruza balk who is a passenger on a bus that has broken down gets caught in a bizarre and violent turf war between serial killers um this synopsis you can't tell based on the way i read it probably because i was trying to make it cohesive but it breaks so many oxford comma rules it's unbelievable <laughs> um but anyway i this, this is one of those movies it's kind of similar to pledge i don't need much more than that synopsis to get interested uh, yeah it sounds sound super fire and it turned out to be pretty darn fun so the without i, I guess i won't spoil it but the you might recognize the name of one of the serial killers. His name is Michael Moriarty or Moriarty. Mm, I don't. He was in I some. He was okay, in some Stephen know. King stuff in the eighties. He was in a Return to Salem's Lot. He was in. Is there a Dark Tower adaptation that was made in the eighties? Uh, not that I know of. Okay, there's. A, he was in a movie called Dark Tower, and as I'm pulling it up, I realize it's about a haunting of a skyscraper. So that's probably not the same <laughs> thing. But anyway, uh, so Michael Moriarty and Warren Cole, those are our two serial killers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's fun. It's One is a hitchhiker, one pitch, picks up hitchhikers, and then they uh, eventually kind of do this dance of will they, won't they, not sexual tension, but also a little bit sexual tension. <laughs> and my only complaint is we don't get to see enough of Feruza. But overall, it's a pretty fun watch. It's only an hour. I'm not going to talk that much more about it because you've heard the premise. You can kind of tell what's going to happen. And the cover is also pretty fun to me. It's uh, it's just a truck with its high beams on. And you see like the shadow of a guy putting his thumb up, ready to get picked up. Ooh, I like that. Uh, do you remember who the director on this one was? Yes, this was directed by Larry Cohen and Cohen, I- not Cohen. And... Oh, he did phone booth with Josh Peck. Ah, no, 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 no. Okay. God, no phone booth with. Oh, uh, um, uh, what's, his, what's his face? Um, oh no, Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Uh, which is a, which is a good. Yeah, which is a fun. That's a fun movie. We watched that when we were like shockingly young. For yeah, a, I think we, it, it randomly came on a TV channel that we weren't supposed to have. Or something. Yeah, I, I don't I, remember there being commercials, but we were never. Our parents were never ones to purchase movie channel so i don't know anyway uh yeah it's larry cohen i think this is one of the better masters of horrors probably okay somewhere between the four to eight range something okay. like that 
Yeah, so that's one that I'll put on my radar is uh, to check out first when I revisit that series. And I do not know how we missed this. I think we've talked about how we've made our list before. We like burned the page, cut it up, right. put tea bags on it to make it look super old. We had a list that we were crossing off to narrow it down, and somehow this one uh, escaped the list because this would have been a fun watch way back when. It may have. We were saving one specifically to the end. I don't know if that would have been it. No, because Jason had remembered which one because he was down to one. I think we. I think you and I each had a couple left, to be honest. But yeah, no, I do. I'd have to look at the list, but I probably have at least five left. Okay, uh, last one I want to talk about before we jump into our game to close out. It'll be a pretty quick game, but the last one is The Wind from 2019. Um, so we talked about Hagazusa on our last pod. And honestly, this is, to me, everything Hagazusa could have been. This is like what I was excited for and what I was expecting from Hagazusa. Um, This is from director Emma Tammy, who is a producer on 2018's Bloodline, but is a pretty new horror director. It's uh, a brief synopsis. A plains woman faces the harshness and isolation of the untamed land in the western frontier of the late 1800s. So they're essentially living on a Midwest farmstead in the 1800s in the United States. Uh, uh, a husband and wife kind of main duo this has a lot of vibes of the witch has a lot of unsettlingness kind of slow building tension of the witch Uh, it was honestly a really really good movie and i really enjoyed it this is one that um it this is i generally like this with movies but this is a movie that played with time to give you setting and backstory piecewise and kind of out of order in, in, in that way, they kind of presented a bit of an unreliable narrator, potentially. You don't really know exactly what's what's happening and what's, you know, or what what or when is happening. You kind of don't exactly know when the flashbacks are until you've gotten more information, which I generally kind of like that, where it slowly reveals information and kind of in pieces. Um, yeah, so this is just a super fun movie. And this also is something that kind of introduced a new horror or terror to me that I'd never really considered, but the absolute kind of uncertainty and terror that childbirth could present when you have no medical support. Um, this isn't a huge spoiler, but I'll just say at one point, a, a woman gives birth to a baby and the husband... What? Sorry, the way you said that, the woman gives birth to a baby as if there's, I suppose in a horror movie, anything's possible. Yeah, there's a lot of options, Eric. Uh, have you have you not seen the Masters of Horror pro-life? <laughs> um, anyway, so a woman g- gives birth and the husband like receives a baby and is like kind of looking terrified and the woman's like, and the woman just goes, why isn't the baby crying? Like, and she's like, it's supposed to be crying. And the husband like ushers it out the door. He's like, stay where you are. So that's just like, you know, kind of really horrific imagery to me um yeah so i just wanted to mention this one to you eric because it was slow burn it was the witchy ish like that kind of vibe so if you like that i think you will really really like this movie this is one that is now sitting as my number three for 2019 just behind us in midsummer i gave it a 7.1 uh and i would definitely recommend it okay let's go yeah i i think the only this was, like I said, Hagazusa, if Hagazusa was interesting, is how I kind of viewed it. So Interesting. Okay. That's, uh, that's a pretty glowing recommendation, so I'll definitely have to check that out. And it's a fairly short one. I think it's about, uh, about 85 minutes. So uh, a pretty quick watch and uh, definitely an enjoyable one. 
All right, so uh, as I mentioned with that horror movie, you kind of got some piecewise timelines, uh, some flashbacks, some flash forwards. You didn't always know when you were. And with that being a segue, I developed a game for Eric that I'm calling Which Came First? I'm going to present you with either a historical um, a historical event in time, uh, another movie, some sort of event that happened, and I'm going to give you a horror movie, and you're going to have to tell me which came first. So the release date of the horror movie versus the other event. Oh, um, okay. I'm going to be really bad at this. It's Okay, so I, I tried to make it pretty big events um, and also pretty popular movies. So I, I, I only have seven for you, but I'm, 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 my goal for you is to get six out of seven. Okay, I'll do my best. Okay, so for our first category, I'm always going to give you the event first and then the horror movie. Okay, we have Neil Armstrong walks on the moon versus Rosemary's Baby. Okay, I think Rosemary's Baby is 64 and walking on the moon would have been 69. So Rosemary's Baby came first. That is incorrect. Rosemary's Baby was 68, though. So actually very close. Very close, but well, you are so, correct. I mean, I was correct, but... Yeah, you, you don't have to get the year. You just have to get, get the which came first. So okay, which you were maybe correct, don't yeah. have incorrect be the first thing to come out of your mouth. I didn't. I didn't. I said you were correct, but... No. Oh, I thought you said incorrect. No, no, no. Oh, I said you were correct. I apologize. Mm, let's roll the footage. <laughs> we can roll it back. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, this obviously is being recorded. So when you listen to this tomorrow, you can be like, oh, he did say correct. I misheard, so... Okay, number two. This is one of the two, or actually, sorry, one of the only one where it's comparing two movies. So we have The Wizard of Oz versus Bella Lugosi's Dracula. Ooh, Wizard of Oz and Bella Lugosi's Dracula. Hmm. I've actually seen Dracula, and I think I, it, I'm pretty sure it was like in the 1920s. I don't know if I'm thinking of the right Dracula, the woman in silence where you have to read most of it. Who makes a movie where you have to read most of it besides foreign film? Um, if I'm Are thinking you thinking of, of the... Nosferatu? Oh, shit. <laughs> I am thinking of Nosferatu. Okay. Um, Wizard of Oz, I think, was like 45 or 46. Let's go with Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz was 39. Bela Lugosi's Dracula was 31. 1931. So Dracula came first. I should have gone with my incorrect logic. I know. I kind I, I kind of I tweaked it for you. So sorry about that. All right, you're 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 one and one so far. Okay, we have Tiananmen Square versus Scream. Ooh, that's a good one. So Scream was 96. Tiananmen Square. Oh, when would that have been exactly? I feel like that was earlier 90s, maybe 94. I just can't picture it happening live in, when I was in school. Let's do... T uh, this, is, this is where I feel like I'm becoming a fool. <laughs> Let's do Tiananmen Square first. That is correct. Tiananmen Square from 1989 versus Scream. You nailed it. 1996. All right. Number four. So you're two, two and one right now. The Detroit Lions last playoff win versus Stephen King's It TV miniseries. 
1991 for playoff win. And by George, I thought it was 90 to 91 for the uh, series. So we're going off original release date. Oh man, I really thought it was 90 to 91. Maybe is it 89-90? Original release date. And I know which the, came which came first. Yeah, the Lions last playoff win would have been in the 91-92 season, which would have been January of 92 most likely. So I will say it was released like a year before that. That is correct. You are overthinking it a little bit because the Detroit Lions lit playoff win it was actually 91, but Stephen King's it miniseries started in 1990, which he said. So, release date. You are saying 91 versus 90. Ooh, I don't know. I well, no, I, I, I was just trying to make sure like, I was right on <laughs> it. Okay, I understand. Okay. All right, three and one. Doing well, doing well. Okay. We have Hurricane Katrina versus... Let the right one in. Ooh. Um, I think Hurricane Katrina would have been 2000, let's see, 2005. And Let the Right One In, I thought, was 2003. So Let the Right One In. Ooh, you nailed Hurricane Katrina, but Let the Right One Win was actually 2008. Hmm. A bit later. All right. That's, uh... That gives you three for five. So no more misses, Eric. No more misses. Okay. We have JFK assassinated versus Jaws. Ooh. Okay. Jaws is... I should know this without skipping a beat. Um, it's got to be JFK was before it. So JFK would have been... What, like just before 1970? And Jaws was... Was it straight at 1970? Hmm. JFK was assassinated before Jaws. That is correct. And this was by far our biggest gap that I gave you. JFK assassinated in 1963. And Jaws is 1980 J even? 75. 75, all right, so, okay, four for six. Four for six, not bad. And the last one. Eric arrives in Switzerland versus Jordan Poole. I was going to say Jordan Poole. Jordan Peele's Us. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, this is going to throw me for a loop. So I saw it. You saw it in Switzerland, and I saw it with friends. I was in Switzerland March 23rd of 2019 and us would have come out well see I ran the day after I went and saw us which makes me think it was a nice-ish night which makes me think it had to have been after March so I think it's probably like April well I also, I saw us and uh, Pet Cemetery the same day. Does that help me at all? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Okay, I'm gonna you could say be, you could be frantically looking up our podcast history from when our <laughs> us episode came out. Okay, I'm going to say 
that oh no 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 i'm gonna say us was april of 2019 switzerland march of 2019 that is incorrect this was by far the closest margin with uh about two weeks separation eric arrives in switzerland march 24th 2019 us releases march 16th 2019 i wonder did i maybe see it i probably saw it that first week you you did yes we didn't see it together so i'm gonna actually look at when our us episode came out us in pet cemetery um i wonder if i can tell it just says three months ago not sure i can see the specific date I can find out exactly when I saw it. I think I would have mentioned it in my running log. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, it looks like it came out. Let's see. I'm, I'm going slow. No, we didn't release that till April 19th. But okay, I think what you I think you saw it after you went home though. I guess is what. The, so maybe yeah. you saw it then. Uh, okay. I don't think I saw it until April. That's a trick-ass question. Oh, I'm sorry. That's just what happened. All right. Well, four out of seven is not too bad. That's a, I think that's a pretty solid one. Okay. Uh, Eric, so as uh, I think lately we've obviously been doing a lot of 2019 horror movies. We are now into August, so we're definitely approaching the point where a good amount of good horror movies for 2019 have come out. We're trying to see more of them. And we're going to keep kind of the longer we go, the more and more are going to be available on either VOD or coming out in theaters, coming out on DVD, whatever have you. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies on our list. I've got 20 that are on my radar as of right now, and that's not including some more that are definitely going to pop up. So I've currently seen 12 from 2019. And by the time December hits around, I'd love to do a wrap up of 2019 with a top 10. So I'm hoping to get at least 30 in. Uh, Does that sound like something you're aiming for? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wait, do I have quick permission to bitch real quick? <laughs> sure. I ahead. didn't see us until April 18th, so F that question. As when it came out, though, the release date. I understand, Alex. I'm saying that my point of reference, I had no way of knowing exactly when it came out. So Oh, just... actually, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Did, did, did we do a preview episode that included the release date of, of some of the bigger horror movies from 2019 a little bit before then? Um, oh wait 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 if you're if oh, you're, shoot. If you're oh, asking we, yourself we, this rhetorical we, we, question while we were podcasting i think you should probably rephrase and re-minister this uh this wait. segue or else there will be dire consequences for you in the future <laughs> i i think we did do that kind of preview and i recall us being on it and i remember specifically mentioning a march release date i think we probably said the day too could check the notes. Okay. Um, I won't tell you exactly what you need to be on the lookout for, but <laughs> maybe I should do a preview podcast so you can make sure you're, uh, it's on your radar. You don't get surprised okay. by anything. That sounds great. Uh, unlike you, I'll actually pay attention to the preview so I can be informed in the future for uh, additional podcasts. You know what, Alex? <laughs> Sometimes you cause me to tremble. Okay, <laughs> we got a little off track there, but yeah, had a fun episode here. Uh, previewed, or not previewed, but did a review of some 2019 movies, some reviews of some old movies. And uh, yeah, feeling good, Eric. Uh, we've talked previously in previous episodes about our plans moving forward, and we are excited to get to some of those bigger episodes, some of those themed episodes. And you guys can be on the lookout for those coming out to you in the near future.
Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared Podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at Jumping Scared Podcast on Twitter or by email, jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.